Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to episode two of Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Megan. I'm Vanessa. And I'm Kiara. So what have you been up to lately? Um, Kiara, how's it going? What have you been doing these last few weeks? I have been moving. So most of my time has been spent shuffling my stuff around from one place to another, but finally I'm starting to get settled in. What about y'all? I've been working out to keep me sane (laughs) Uh, through teaching and being at home. And um, I have been watching a lot of Hulu, so a lot of Family Matters and (laughs) Boy Meets World. And I showed Bella, I showed Bella Powerpuff Girls. So it's been fun. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I actually have started walking slash running again. I would like to say I'm fully running, but not quite there. Got a little, got a little shape during uh, these last few months. I've been watching uh, the Great British Baking Show has come back this season. So that's sort of my self-care show, I guess. It's just, I really enjoy watching it. It's very relaxing. I felt like... Y'all are watching such nice things. I've been re-watching random episodes of Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Not that it's not a nice <laughs> show, but it's a controversial show, which I guess kind of relates a little bit to what we're talking about, that they kind of have a, the Kardashians and the Jenners have like a polarizing effect in society about if they should be role models or if their lives are real or whatever. But I like just watching... Uh, reality tv because it just feels so far removed of what my life is like like that can't actually be real obviously there are lots of it that is part of it that's their real life but i don't know it almost feels like a vacation from reality because i just can't relate to that at all yeah yeah for sure (laughs) that's the escape from reality is what i'm looking for right now (laughs) yeah right (laughs) yeah so i guess um kind of brought us gave us a great segue into our topic today Kiara we're going to talk about the movie Cuties we weren't sure if this was going to end up being a podcast episode or not um when it first came out it was extremely controversial so we were definitely talking about it in the office we weren't sure if it was still going to be in the current headlines by the time we aired this episode but a couple weeks ago a jury in Texas actually indicted Netflix for um I believe the charge was promotion of lewd material um, depicting a child or, or something along those lines. Um, so we will see what happens with that. The, the fine for this would potentially be $20,000. Um, they're arguing this currently, I think, in court. Netflix is standing by the film. So there's different aspects that they're going to have to prove to determine, you know, what the fate of this is going to be. So, uh, yeah, Kiara, do you want to give us a little background information on this controversial film, I guess? I don't <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so Cuties was written and directed by Maya Muna Decore. I don't know French, but that's my best attempt at saying her name. Uh, It's a movie about her own experiences as a Senegalese Muslim immigrant in Paris, France. The movie description from Wikipedia describes the movie as a coming-of-age film, and then the plot revolves around a Senegalese French girl with a traditional Muslim upbringing who's caught between her traditional values and then the values of internet culture. And the filmmakers claim that it's intended to criticize the hypersexualization of pre-adolescence girls. The film premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in January of this year. And then the director, she won a directing award there. And then it, the movie was released internationally in August and then released on Netflix in September 9th of this year. And then getting some more background about how the director came up with the idea for the film. 
it's supposed to mirror her own personal experiences, but in that process, she interviewed hundreds of preteen girls prior to the film to talk to them about their experiences of being a preteen. And her intent for the film was to look at how preteen girls feel about themselves in a time when social media is so important and how social media shows them that over-sexualized women, that's how they get to be successful um, by being over-sexualized and that preteen girls imitate what they're seeing on live to achieve the same level of success without understanding the meaning behind that, uh, which can be pretty dangerous. And that's what the director and creator of the film had in mind was talking about that whole idea and just as a spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about the film and what happens in the film. So if you haven't seen it, go ahead and watch it. Or if you don't want to watch it, but you just want to hear discussion about it, that's what we'll be doing here. Uh, in the film, the main character, Amy, it, she sees her mother suffering with the cultural expectations that they have coming from their home country and that her mom isn't taking, in her opinion, action what's happening to her in her life. So Amy tries to find her own freedom through a group of dancers, a girls at her school. Um, and their dancing is very hypersexualized, but it's along the course of the film towards the end, she realizes that it's not true freedom that she's seeing there in the dancing, especially for her as a child. So that's an overview of the film. It's just this coming of age film where she's navigating these two worlds of coming from her Senegalese Muslim immigrant family and seeing the values and the expectations that are there and then being in parents, Paris, France, they just immigrated and seeing the girls and the women act very different there and seeing a lot of freedom there and ownership of who they are, especially on social media. They're very well liked on social media for behaving this way. And she wants to be well liked in the same way. So she's imitating what she's seeing. But she starts to question whether that's who she wants to be towards the end of the film. Very well said. It's a coming age of age movie. Why was this movie so controversial? Why is this movie so controversial? In August, um, I recall seeing the marketing for this film by Netflix. And it was a the poster or the picture they chose was the picture of the girls in the final scene in their dance uniforms. And the description um, I don't remember it word for word, but the description was about um, an 11-year-old um, joining a dance troupe and twerking were in that. And I think that when I read that, I, I was, my reaction was, wow. Um, it seemed like a, a word you don't usually hear in the same sentence as an 11-year-old. And I think that word can be very loaded for people and it has a lot of sexual connotations. So I definitely understand that there was an initial backlash from that that marketing does not represent, I feel, what that movie uh, was about at all. Yeah, when we, I watched it and all of us watched it and we talked about how the marketing is all, most of it was about like, it's these girls and they're twerking and they're 11 year olds. And then watching the film itself, I was like, this film includes parts of 11 year olds dancing, but it feels overall like a film about, a girl coming of age and she's in between these two worlds and experiences. Yeah, I definitely feel that way. Like what Kiara, what you're saying is like, I was hesitant to watch it because I was like, okay, like I need to be prepared for this. But then like going into it, it was like, oh, like seeing it from like our perspective as prevention educators, you see like the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So yeah, watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I exactly I was sort of expecting it to be way worse and was uh just felt like it was a coming of age story really yeah. I mean of course it was there were parts that were shocking and uncomfortable but being a preteen uh, being a parent of a pre any parent of a preteen could probably tell you there are parts of that that are very shocking and uncomfortable and then parts that you're not learning about and this is the stuff that we're seeing happening uh, that teens could possibly go, be going through that we don't know about. And then we saw it and this. I think that's what's terrifying for so many people, especially considering that they're young girls. Uh, there were a lot of calls to boycott the movie um, immediately following that description that Netflix and that marketing that Netflix did a lot of it. And it hadn't been released yet. So this was in August. And the movie wasn't released till September 9th, 
in America, Netflix um, internationally, as Kiara said, yet many people before the movie was released were already demanding to not only boycott the film, but boycott Netflix as a company, I guess, which is just those kind of knee-jerk reactions are, are upsetting to me because especially for us that do this work, these are the exact kind of conversations that need to be had. This is this type of film mm-hmm. can bring so many great conversations, especially with parents in their their preteens and their teens. Um, and it it's unfortunate that the that cancel culture, whatever you want to call it, jumped on it so fast to boycott that we we missed out on some really meaningful conversations, I feel. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I'm thinking of my own reaction to the film based off the way that it was marketed and seeing other people's reactions to it. It was easy for me to jump on that bandwagon of, I don't want to support this film. I don't want to watch it. So many Mm -hmm. people on the internet were talking about it's exploiting children. It's promoting pedophilia. And I was, my reaction is, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to participate in this. I saw a lot of jokes and comments of like, hey, FBI agent who's watching my computer, like this is not the content (laughs) that I watch online. Um, And I kind of had that feeling too before I started to watch the movie. I was like hesitant. I didn't know what to expect. But after the two of you telling me that you watched it and then I watched it, there was a lot there was a lot more to be said about the film and a lot more conversations to be had. It makes me think about other coming-of-age teen movies that we've seen and, and how, I don't know, I feel great. And I, I'm trying to think specifically, and I and I will divulge, you know, I'm a 90s kid. I'm an older millennial. Um, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm trying hard to think of coming-of-age movies that were female-focused. And I know that there, we had, uh, you know, Clueless and others like that, but not that young. You know what I mean? Like, a, I'm trying to think of preteen young girl movies and I'm recalling more that have boys as the main character. I feel like we see yeah. a lot of normalization of like 12-year-old yeah. and 11-year-old boys. Um, I think I, I could probably name like three off my head that's literally a group of preteen boys. <laughs> right. The first yeah. one that's coming to my mind is Goonies, which I've never yeah. seen it, but I believe that that's the Stand whole Stand by me, of the movie. Goonies. Um, yeah. And, uh, I'm, I, and I'm, I've, it could just be the moment and maybe it'll come to me after the fact, but I'm, I'm struggling to think of movies that are – uh, specific around the story of a young preteen girl discovering her own sexuality. And I can see how that would make people uncomfortable um, because it's not something that's typically in media. It's not something that's typically discussed at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Not only discovering her own sexuality, but just navigating being a preteen and wanting to be well-liked yes. and having influence yeah. with your peers. And... This is usually the route that people like teenagers and preteens take. Not often, but it's not uncommon. I mean, as the director said, she interviewed preteen girls and they were talking about this being their experience. And you see in the film where she's watching these girls that are her peers at a distance, but she's also on social media watching Mm-hmm. older like teenage girls and women and just seeing how this is what's going this is working for them so why yeah. not why shouldn't I try this for myself too yeah exactly Vanessa I know that because uh, the movie is centered around dancing right <laughs> um, and we've talked about off the podcast we've had conversations about um, your daughter who's in dance. Do you want to talk? I'm very curious to hear about like your experiences with having a daughter who's in dance and like that culture that surrounds that world because people have a lot of criticisms about that too. Yeah. Um, so my daughter is in hip hop specifically. Um, she's been in it for, she's only six, but she's been in it since she was four. And just from her going to four to six, I can feel the difference between like parents asking me like, just assuming that she does either tap or jazz or ballet. And when I say like, oh, no, she does hip hop, I kind of Mm -hmm. get that like awkward silence Mm -hmm. um, because it's, I guess, just like in the mom world or in the dance world, it's like, oh, well, she, I just feel like hesitant when I say things because I'm like, oh, well, I know that they're judging and I know that I get that feeling from them um, because Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, I don't know their points of view, but like, for me, it feels like they automatically assume that she is 
twerking or she is, she's doing mm-hmm. these things. Um, but hip hop is more than that. And I wish like, you know, people could see dance as a gift um, mm-hmm. and not like something that could, you know, tear her apart. You know, I, I want right. I want people to like see it as a gift. But I mean, hip hop has done so many good things for her. And so it also is like a it's a culture in itself. Um, but I do feel like I get criticized sometimes when I. When I say like, oh, she does hip hop and they're like, oh, well, she doesn't do dance or ballet or the typical, I guess, dance things that dance moms would do. Right. Um, but I mean, I get those questions, too, from like family members of like, well, what type of dance is she doing? Uh, what does it look like? Um, or if she says like, oh, let me show you something. Sometimes I'll get family members like, oh, no, it's OK. Um, <laughs> and so, wow. Uh, but it's like. It's not what they think it is, you know, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just a different, it's just different. Um, I can't imagine as she gets older, what reactions I'm going to get. I mean, she, granted, she's only six, but I've already got different reactions from like four to six. Um, so yeah, it's definitely yeah. a different culture. Yeah. Do they have any criticisms over the outfits that she has to wear or that or typically what they wear whenever they're getting ready so um for her specifically uh the rules have changed so they're fully clothed like they have to wear like leggings they can't show their legs um and they have to wear like a fitted shirt so like their shirts don't like go up but when they have their recital um they are like fully clothed as well Um, but as they get older, um, those recital uniforms are like crop tops. Um, Mm -hmm. so I can speak for myself, um, and only myself that might feel uncomfortable if she is like 10 or 11 years old, but I don't know. I'm not sure, um, what happened with that because as of last year, they were able to like wear shorts. Um, and now it's just, they're just being forced to be fully clothed now. Hmm. I admittedly don't know much about the dance world. Um, but the the uniforms to me seem typical of what I've seen in other dance shows or, you know, you know, I think bring it on. That's like, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, not right? like I'm dating fitted. myself, but yeah, it's like a loose. It's like loose. It looks hip hop ish, like, you know, like tennis shoes, like the scrunchies, like it doesn't it doesn't look bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my exposure, granted, I didn't do cheerleading, but my mom was a cheerleader in high school and heavily tried to get me to do cheerleading as I was growing up. It wasn't something that I wanted to do. I'm not coordinated enough for that. I'm not a dancer. (laughs) There's a lot of skill that goes into that that I just, like you said, dancing is a gift and that's not a gift that was given to me. (laughs) (laughs) So I did not gravitate towards that. But in my mom trying to expose me to that, I saw people doing cheerleading or I had friends that did cheerleading or going to football games. I was in band, so I saw cheerleaders mm-hmm. there. Their uniforms are very similar, like crop tops, short skirts, or even in sports, I think of like volleyball shorts. And yeah. there's different mm-hmm. places where you see more of girls' bodies. And it's usually the adults who have conversations about what they're wearing and they put judgments on that. And it's interesting because it feels like adults are either having conversations around the youth Mm -hmm. about it or they're just telling them don't wear that because it makes you look bad. But I feel like there isn't really a lot of conversations about like the implications or why they're having their reactions that they're having to what they're wearing. Yeah, it's just like telling you what not to do, but not giving you that reason as to why or what what their vision is on that or like asking even just like asking the youth like you know why do you why do you enjoy wearing this or why is this something you like wearing like just having those conversations um I feel like right now in this culture um in this this time crop tops like an in thing (laughs) I feel like everything's kind of coming back so um (laughs) I don't know It's definitely very interesting about the context of the, just in culture. And I'm thinking of the film when we're talking about having conversations with youth. I didn't really see people having conversations with her in the film. No. Or just with her peers. There were so many instances in the film of them 
having reactions to things or telling each other to do things like film this or dance this way or do this and them not really having the context of like why this is okay and why this isn't okay. That's exactly what I was thinking when you were mentioning, you know, who's who's deciding on these outfits or who, you know, who has the uh, where who has the power in choosing what these uniforms look like is oftentimes it's not necessarily that they are even aware that they're wearing something that could provoke those type of thoughts or that they're not even they're not thinking of their sexuality in the way that people are projecting that onto you when you're 11 you're having fun and you're dancing with your friends and you're trying to get accepted by this group of people and you're trying to do what you think is going to get people to like you um you're not thinking in the way that a fully developed uh adult would think when it comes to the way you're portraying yourself or dancing because they're not there yet and that the theme of not having an adult to talk about these things with, I saw throughout the film for sure. Right. It feels almost, I'm thinking of it's adults wanting to protect children and adolescents from other adults, which is good, rightfully mm-hmm. so, right? Yeah. There's still not a lot of empowerment in that for them to also protect themselves and have ownership of their own bodies and the way that they're portrayed there isn't a conversation of this is how this may be perceived. What do you think about that? And what do you want to do now that you have this information? It's them Mm -hmm. being told like, Hey, you can't do this or being called names. Like you're dressed like a slut or you're Mm -hmm. dressed like a whore. And them knowing that either they know what that word means or they get the connotation behind it and knowing that it's Mm -hmm. not a good thing and not wanting to be that. And then, Further projecting that onto other girls and Mm -hmm. women, not really having the conversation of why are you doing this? And I think that's something that the director wanted to have happen in the film that maybe either people didn't see or maybe they thought that she could have gone about it in a different way to talk about how we need to have more conversations with them of it's okay for you to want to be liked and to want to be seen and to feel good about yourself. But is this the way that you want to do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the uh, scene that is actually kind of sticking out my mind now that we're talking about it. And again, there's going to be spoilers. Um, but the scene where one of her friends discovers the condom um, and, and she's sort of playing with it. And then they start immediately, you know, making fun of her and telling mm-hmm. her she's gross and all those things. And she starts crying because she had no idea what it was. She had no idea that it was a condom and didn't know. Um, And that in that moment, I was like, this here is speaking to their innocence. This here is speaking to how much they don't realize, like how much they don't know about sex and and how much they don't understand all that goes with it Um, and how no one is talking to them about this stuff, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also thinking of the scene where there's to some degree, it feels like they know that this isn't something for me at this age, but I'm still curious about it and I want to explore it. And I'm thinking of, they're talking to, I think, boys in the park or they're somewhere Mm -hmm. outside and they ask them, how old are you? And they, the main character, Amy says, we're 11. And they're Mm -hmm. like, no, we're not 11, we're 14. Which, 14, you're still incredibly young. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But to them, they're like, that's older, that's somebody who would be liked by this person, that's a more appropriate age for these guys that I'm talking to, which they never really disclose the age of the guys that they're talking to. So I don't know if it's appropriate Mm -hmm. or not. But even them, they're like, it's not okay for me to want these things at this age. They're not going to be attracted to me if I'm 11. But if I say that I'm 14, then I can get what I want because I want Mm -hmm. the things that the 14-year-olds have. And if they don't have anybody telling them that this is how you can also be well-liked or get attention or be popular in other ways, but they see it working for people on social media. It's not surprise. It's not surprising for me that that's what they gravitate towards. Right. And so, I mean, and what they were doing was exactly copying what they were seeing on social media. They weren't, they didn't create this from their own experience. They created it by watching older women do these things and get attention online for it or get likes or, you know, it's, you know, whatever that <laughs> praise. praise. <Yeah. laughs> Let's take a break. 
uh, for our self-compassion tip, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more about our own personal thoughts on the film and then our experiences as prevention educators having conversations about these things with youth and what are some of the things that we should be talking about with them. Our self-compassion tip for this episode is to be mindful of how being on social media makes you feel and disconnect if you need to. This can look like unfollowing social media accounts that make you feel bad about yourself or not having to maintain an image of perfection online. Social media gives us opportunities for connection, but it also gives us opportunities for comparison, which can feed into shame. Comparison can make us feel like we have to maintain a perfect image online because we feel that others are doing the same. Trying to uphold perfection isn't realistic for anyone because no one is perfect. If you find yourself making comparisons and feeling shame when looking at certain accounts, click the unfollow or mute button. Remember, you can control what you see in your feed. Now back to the episode. All right, welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about what we thought of the film. Um, I will. I, I admitted earlier that I am an older millennial, so social media wasn't really a thing for me growing up, uh, especially as a preteen. Um, we didn't have internet to that extent yet, but we had MTV, and I will say that I copy the dances I saw on MTV. I looked to those, you know, I looked, that was cool. They looked cool to me. Like these women were um, wearing cool fashion. They look cool. They dance cool. So I was very much, even though social media didn't exist, you know, pop culture still exists. The media in general still existed. And I still was able, and I still would look to these much older women and think, I want to be them. Um, I want to look like that. And would naturally, you know, of course I would, that's the, the scene that you mentioned about lying about your age, like, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> I remember doing that when I was younger um, and not even, it, but you do at a very young age, you, you sort, as soon as you start kind of to get to that in between phase of recognizing from, you know, you're no, you're no longer, you're starting to lose interest in things as, from your childhood and now you're becoming more interested in uh, the adult world you start to realize I want that and you start trying to copy that as much as you can, even to the point of, you know, saying I am that I am 13, I am 14, or I'm going to dress like that. I'm going to dance like that because that's what people like. And that's, what's cool. And that's what women do. So I totally related to that experience of that, even though, you know, like I said, it wasn't on Instagram, but I still totally related to wanting to copy them. We had, you know, Polaroids and stuff like that. So it's still, <laughs> was still, still similar. <laughs> what about y'all? Did y'all feel any sort of personal, uh, like think on your personal experiences when you were watching this at all? I think like just immediately this like funny scenario popped in my head when I was like, I wanted to be like Britney Spears so bad. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember they were fixing the floor in our house. I'm just going to tell this story. Um, she like kicked her leg up so high. And I was like, that is so cool. I'm going to do that. And I did it. And then I fell through the floor. Oh, my like, God. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yes, like <laughs> MTV, TRL, like I, I feel like I always wanted to be like them. And then mm-hmm. like when it got to the point where like they were older um, and they started dressing um, a little, like a little less clothes. I like immediately felt like I need to change this. I need to not watch this like around mm-hmm. my parents. Um, but yeah, like, and then like MySpace came about and like, you're able to like see other people and then start like feeling like you need to be just like them or dress like them or have the same music as them or, um, look the same way they look. So yeah, I remember having that personal experience of like now I have access to see what other people do Mm -hmm. um and I want to be like that I want to see what success means to them you know Mm -hmm. yeah I think I'm thinking about preteen me and the memory I'm having is seeing my peers be very interested in this and them being interested in like relationships or posting pictures on social media I was also on myspace 
I distinctly having this memory of thinking like, I don't want this and I'm not ready for this. That um, I don't feel like this is what I should be doing at 12 years old or 11 years old. But mm-hmm. I don't remember, I don't think I was judging my peers for doing it. I was just thinking like, I don't want to be them. But I do identify with parts of Amy's story in the film of looking at other people and wanting what they had in terms of like appearance of, I'm thinking of the scene where she walks in and she sees one of the other girls who she later becomes friends with ironing her hair. Mm -hmm. And me being a black person with naturally curly and kinky hair who I didn't get my hair chemically straightened until I was in sixth grade. But I remember wanting to have straight hair like my friends did and getting it chemically straightened and flat ironing it and having my friends still treat me like I was different in some way of like, can I touch your hair? Your hair looks so different, which it hasn't changed. My hair is not chemically straightened anymore, but people still ask me to touch my hair all the time. It's just a thing that black women and black people are just people that are different than like the cultural norm have to experience. Yeah. There's a lot of people have, they feel like Mm -hmm. they have agency over your body because of their curiosity. Mm -hmm. Oh my Um, gosh. My boyfriend's black and I always want to touch his hair. Now I feel bad. I'm like, let me touch No, don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't want you to feel bad, but I feel like there's like a conversation around consent, right? Like if you want to, if you, if you have a personal relationship with him, if you have a conversation about it, then it's fine, right? Like my partner has a lot of interest in my hair too and watches videos of people like braiding hair and things like that. And they want to learn about my hair. But then I've also had like random people like approach me and stick their hands in my hair and it was super uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Or I've had a coworker do it and I was like, why are you touching me? And she said, I just wanted to see what your hair felt like. And my immediate reaction was like, I wanted to stick my finger on like her ear or something. So she knew how <laughs> violating it felt oh, my. of like, this is uncomfortable. But it started like when I was younger, like I identified so heavily with that mm-hmm. scene of who I am is not okay. And this mm-hmm. is something that I need to emulate in some way. Um, I need to change this about myself. And I grew up in a very Christian home. So I see like a mirror between like her Muslim upbringing and faith and me growing up in a Christian home. And there's this idea of this is how you are and this is how you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And this is what it means to be a woman. And this is what it means to be an adolescent girl. And this is how you get respected versus like seeing my friends doing different things and trying to straddle that line of, Mm -hmm. I want to wear makeup, but I'm hiding it. Or my friends are shaving their body hair, so I'm stealing razors out of my mom's bathroom with preteen logic, thinking that she's not going to know that I'm taking her razors. <laughs> <laughs> but feeling like I want to be more of something different, but I can't have a conversation with my mom about it because it would be awkward or uncomfortable or maybe it's not okay. Yeah, I related to that part too. I, I grew up in a pretty conservative uh, household and we didn't talk about that kind of stuff a whole lot. Um, it made my parents very uncomfortable. So yeah, I mean, I did, I we didn't really talk about it a whole lot. <laughs> so I was looking towards what other people were doing um, when it came to how I should be acting at that age or how I should be presenting myself or you know, and it, not to say that everything I saw, I wanted for myself. I mean, I, you have your own standards or for yourself, but it still influences the way you think. It influences what it can. It tells you what society expects from you. I think that was if more a big part of it, too, was just seeing, you know, fully developed women acting and dressing a certain way and then looking at my own underdeveloped, you know, self still, you know, still haven't even gone through puberty yet or in, you know, in that phase of going through it um, and feeling very much like I don't look like them. Like I, I'm not who I'm supposed to be. Like I don't look, you know, I don't, you know, and feel already uh, barely a woman yet, not even a woman yet. And already feel that I'm have impossible expectations from society of how I should look and act and be. Right. Yeah. My brain just immediately thought of Vanessa talking about Britney Spears. 
And my brain went to like, not a girl, but not yet a woman. (laughs) And I remember like being young and like relating to that in like a fake deep kind of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) And I definitely don't envy teenagers now. Like we grew up talking about like MySpace and the rise of social media but I can't imagine what it's like where you are born like at a time where adolescence, you only know social media and you only know putting your life online and other people seeing your life online and having to present yourself in a certain way. Like MySpace was just about like your top eight and like <laughs> organizing yeah, yeah. your friends in that way, not necessarily about like how you looked and right. there were no filters to put over your pictures. Yeah. What cool mm-hmm. song did you have? Yeah, right. That's what mattered. It didn't. There were no likes and things mm-hmm. like I. We didn't. My Facebook wasn't a thing until I got to high school, and even still, I was like, Facebook, I don't want that. Until MySpace really dropped off, and then I was like, Well, I guess this everybody's on Facebook now, and I don't know if the like feature was always on Facebook. I don't know at what point it got introduced. But mm-hmm. I do remember getting that grati- that feeling of gratification of having people like things on Facebook. And mm-hmm. that continued into college. And a little bit after college, as I got to have more conversations about self-care, <laughs> part <laughs> of that was, why am I on social media? Like, I remember having that feeling mm-hmm. of posting something and checking how many people liked it, like five minutes after posting it, 10 minutes after posting mm-hmm. it. And comparing myself to my friends of like, you posted about this one thing that I don't think is that important, but I posted about something that I think is important and nobody's liking it. Mm -hmm. And this is me as an adult doing this. So Mm -hmm, I can't even imagine how it feels to be a teenager, which I think, or a preteen in the film, one of the other main characters, the girl that has the very long hair, um, Mm -hmm. her talking about her parents being very critical of her and not approving of her saying that she's a disappointment and her turning to Amy, the main character and saying, but I'm liked. Right. And she's referring Mm -hmm. to how many likes she gets on social media that -hmm. what they're saying about me can't be true because people online like me. And that Mm -hmm. can be a very validating feeling when you don't feel good about yourself. You're trying to grow your self-esteem. You're trying to figure out who you are. And it can be nice when you don't have to directly ask people, do you like me? On social mm-hmm. media, they click a button that says that they like you. And that's a very human experience, I think, to have. Yeah. It's really hard to imagine, too, though, through a young person's perspective, because you're, I mean, you're able to very eloquently put it as an adult and how you feel and, and what you go through. Um, but unless te- uh, young people are thinking about it to that extent if they're just sort of taking it as you know I get these likes and not really thinking about what they're putting out there or what they're seeing and how so much of what they're seeing isn't really people's reality they're seeing the highlights and the all that little all those little caveats that we sort of start started talking about now um that social media has been in existence for over decades I guess um but if that's being missed, if those conversations aren't being had and, and we're thinking that everything that happens on social media is is so important, it just it's uh, it leads to that uh, bullying, possibly putting, you know, like we saw in the movie, you know, putting things online that should not be online because you don't understand what the consequences could be um, or just not having anyone who is an adult or anyone who has some background that you could talk to about this kind of thing. Um, I noted that noticed that a lot of the girls in the film or the, the girls who they did talk about their parents, they didn't have these conversations with them about social media. Um, obviously, there's a culture difference, so they might not even really known much about it or what to expect with social media, but they weren't having the conversations either way. Right. That they are having the conversations they're having with her from their own cultural background. Of, mm-hmm. This is what it means to be a woman. I think of the opening scene where they're all sitting, I think in prayer and talking about a woman's responsibility uh, mm-hmm. to what it means in her to be a woman in relation to being a wife mm-hmm. and the expectations that are there, but also 
um, her getting her period for the first time and being told you're a woman now or having to prepare food for this upcoming wedding for her father's second wife and this older woman telling her like, it's time, it's time Mm -hmm. for you to learn this. And it, it broke my heart to hear her go. I think I remember she's like already Mm -hmm. like, I'm not ready for this yet. Like I'm not ready. So she's being told you're a woman in this way, Mm -hmm. but she wants to be a woman in a different way. Yeah. Have y'all, I mean, I guess, have y'all gotten to talk to middle schoolers or when you're in your groups with other youth that are around the same age as these main characters? Have y'all had the opportunity to have conversations about how they feel about social media and what their experiences are like? And are, do you think they're similar to this experience that we saw in this film? Oh, yeah, I think it's very similar. Um, we, unfortunately, it's 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 just more common than we think. Like you said earlier, living in a world where all they know is like social media and to put their lives on social media, um, especially like during these times right now, because we're all on social media right now mm-hmm. as well. Um, and they see that as like they have that validation, they have that praise and it feels good um, mm-hmm. despite whatever's going on at home or um, in their relationships, like as long as they're well liked. I feel like this is very common. Um, and yeah, we see this more often than we than we think. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I agree with that. I, the conversations that I have had with sixth graders, seventh graders, they talk a lot about like social media causing drama in their lives, Mm -hmm. which we see play out in the film. It causes drama, quote unquote Mm -hmm. drama with her (laughs) friends where they then saw what she was doing is too far. It's Mm -hmm. okay. And it's well liked and it's praised until you post pictures of yourself online, which Fair enough. 11-year-olds should not be posting pictures of themselves on the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she didn't have a conversation with any adults in her life, but there was no conversations being had with her peers either. Mm-hmm. So she didn't know that she was pushing it too far. She just kept pushing it up notch after notch after notch, and it was working for her. And um, I also think of conversations that I've had with youth about managing confusing or difficult emotions or hard emotions to manage when you're a teenager of sadness or feeling disapproval or just wanting to be more than you are and social media whether they have the language for it or not is a way to help them manage those emotions of like I don't feel good about myself but it makes me feel good when I put this online and maybe they won't say that in so many words but it's a Mm -hmm. feeling that they have yeah yeah I'll agree. And I'll, and I'll just add to that, that they're definitely talking about um, when I, I've worked a lot with seventh grade uh, girls and they're definitely talking about dating and guys oh. and, and uh, you know, WAP and, <laughs> and, and the latest, and the latest uh, you know, they know, they've seen the videos, they're aware. Um, and I, and I think that that might make people uncomfortable and maybe it should. And, and I think that that's great. And I think that that's, maybe a good thing that came out of the movie is that people got to be uncomfortable and hopefully have conversations out of it. Um, Cause it's, it's, I mean, it's not that it's not deserving to be critiqued as it, it's not that it's not deserving to be critiqued as well. Right. There are, it's not this perfect movie, but I don't know if the backlash is necessarily valid. I think it's an opportunity to have a conversation um, about a very a reality, right? This is this is what the reality of eleven, twelve-year-old girls is like, uh, in some ways. Especially when you don't have anyone um, to really talk to or relate to when it comes, and you're just sort of getting social media without any background of like media literacy or anything yeah. like that. You're just getting it at face value. Mm-hmm. This seems like this yeah. is what, what this is what happens when you just consume social media with zero background (laughs) you know in media literacy or have anyone talk to you about like safe relationships or you know things like that right or who their role models are and why they look up to them I think that's something that the director was talking about of there's not conversations about like why they're the consequences of what their their actions whereas for an adult 
those things can work because there's agency in being an adult and there's other things that come with being an adult. But for a teenager or a preteen, you're not supposed to get the same results as an adult mm-hmm. would because it's seen as something that it's meant for adults. I'm thinking of like Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like the WAP video and like other or the Kardashians, as I mentioned in the mm-hmm. beginning that I've been mm-hmm. watching. And there's been criticism for them and many other women about what it means to be a role model and whose responsibility it is to have conversations about who is a good role model for an adolescent girl versus who isn't a role model for an adolescent girl. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there is, I don't want to say fair, but warranted conversation in the form of criticism on either side, that if we can't have conversations about like, there's value in this, but there's also value in that, then how are they Mm going to be able to make that choice for themselves? Right. That's how I felt is that the not wanting to talk about it is is worse because you're going to look for that information somewhere else. Or if mm-hmm. if my parents aren't willing to talk to me about this version of womanhood that I want to talk about and I can't explore it with them, I'm going to explore it somewhere else. And I feel like that's what happened in the film. Yeah. And it's at the <laughs> click of a button. Like, like literally like yeah sometimes like we minimize like the power that that phone has or that the computer has like Mm -hmm. they can Mm -hmm. just have that information immediately Um, so having those conversations is like really important yeah absolutely i'm thinking of the last part of the film where she's dancing on stage with her friends and she tried so hard to get there even to the point of getting replaced by her friends and then secretly making her way there and then sabotaging the other girl so she couldn't <laughs> oh, go yeah. so she could take her place um, by pushing her into water, making sure that she doesn't drown, which was an interesting scene. I was like, this is dangerous. <laughs> um, but, and go watch the film if you haven't seen. I know that we're talking around this film. It makes more sense in the context of watching the film. But she makes it there and she's on stage with her friends and she... I want to say that this is probably the first time that she's getting a dance with her friends, like on the stage that she intends to be on. She misses the audition, mm-hmm. but this is her first time getting to dance for what she's worked for in an audience of people and getting to see their reactions mm-hmm. and seeing her process that on stage and mm-hmm. to start crying and have this realization of this is not who I want to be and this is not the reactions that I want to get from people. Yeah. And for her to run home and for her mom and I think she's a grandmother or some an older an elder woman figure, uh, the elder woman having a reaction to what she's wearing mm-hmm. and talking down to her and calling her names. And then for her mom to step in and say, don't talk to her like this. If you want to mm-hmm. go to your father's wedding, you can. And it's the first time we see her have a choice presented to her mm-hmm. in the movie from adults. There are choices that are presented to her where she's choosing on her own. There's choices of, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? But it's so powerful to have mm-hmm. adult yeah. an adult tell her, you can either do this or you can either do that, but I'm going to support you either way. And that her choice ends up being finding some sort of middle ground between the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's a very hopeful message. Mm-hmm. It was. And her mom, like, stood up for her and, like, for her culture. Um, So I thought that was really powerful, too. Right. And it felt like getting to watch the mom stand up for herself, too. Because it's another side story that you see going on in the film of the mom really struggling with the expectations of what it means to be a woman within her own culture. Mm -hmm. And to be able to support her daughter in making her own choices it felt like she was giving herself that opportunity to like almost like she was saying it to herself as she was saying it to her daughter yeah Yeah. it was a nice way to end it all right so i guess we will leave uh leave you with a prevention and action tip we said that we would try to make sure that we left you with some sort of actionable step to take after an episode so Our prevention action tip today is focused around media literacy and things that you can do to um, just make sure that when you're watching films or, uh, you know, 
engaging or interacting with different media that you're checking your own bias first. Oftentimes, if something uh, sits with our or is against our bias, we might immediately brush it off as being untrue. Or when something tells us our bias, we might immediately believe it. But it's a good idea to be aware of what your bias is before consuming uh, any type of media, really, because that helps you start start checking yourself and recognizing if this is going to be, you know, if this is actually true information or is this just telling me what I want to hear. So you can, you know, do that by asking yourself, like, who made this content? What's their purpose? Are they an expert? Who are the voices in this film? Who had power in this film? Who were the voices that were left out of the film or, you know, media in general? How might others see this differently than me? I think that's an important question to ask anytime we're viewing any kind of media um, because people are going to interpret things in different ways and it's not going to be the same way you see it. And the more open you are to having those conversations and seeing things from different perspectives, we're going to have a lot. We're going to learn a lot more and have a lot more enriching conversations. Um, And then uh, how does the creators of this media uh, what techniques are they using to communicate this message? So just a way to sort of think about what you're, what we're consuming and, and it, instead of just uh, consuming it without thinking about it. So it's just a way to be more mindful when we consume media and to ask ourselves questions so that we can ensure that we're not uh, taking false information or, um, or just confirming a bias that we already had. So that is our tip for the day is to just... Uh, you know, check yourself a little bit. <laughs> yeah, be mindful of the media that we take in. We're bombarded by a lot of media and some of it's true and mm-hmm. some of it's not true or some of it's skewed to make us believe certain things. But whenever we can look at different sources, I really like the tip of looking at different sources too because if we see it from mm-hmm. a different perspective, we can gain more information that we wouldn't have had before. Exactly. All right. Well, I guess we're going to wrap up. So let's uh, finish this episode. And I hope you all can stay safe and be outspoken. 